You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Good morning. Um, it is just morning. It's, I've, I've got a little counter here. It's 11.58, so I can confidently say it's the morning. And um, uh, if you uh, have uh, just started coming to the church or you've not met me before, my name's Len. Um, I'm one of the leaders here. And um, we're concluding our series on uh, revolution. And next week, we're starting a new series. Tom's kicking us off uh, in the book of James. James was one of uh, Jesus' brothers. And so we're going to be looking at James. But this final uh, topic, um, I was asked uh, quite some time ago to fill this slot. uh, And I was told, you know, pick a subject, really, uh, which is Okay, but of course it does mean, rather than just simply say, well, that's your topic. Um, And so I've been seeking God for what I should be speaking about uh, for quite some time. And uh, about a month ago, when they were putting together the program and they needed to get the literature out, they said, so what are we going to call this, Len? And I said, well, um, it'll be something like, get ready, be prepared, put that up there, and I'll fill it all in later. And so... To be honest, until the beginning of this week, I didn't really get a sense of what that was going to be getting ready or prepared for. And then during the course of this week, a few things happened, and I thought, right, I think I know what this is about. Uh, And so um, I'm going to be talking to us about getting ready and being prepared. But if you were here last week and heard Tom preach... Um, uh, he kicked off his sermon with a joke. And if you weren't here or you want to hear it again, all our sermons are on our website. So you can download them, you can listen to them, uh, going back quite some time. And so uh, I'm not saying this is as funny as Tom's joke, but it does involve somebody who was preaching at a church uh, that he wasn't familiar with. And afterwards, uh, a young girl came up to him and uh, gave him a pound coin. And so uh, he said to her, what's that for? And she said, that's my pocket money. And he said, why are you giving me your pocket money? And she said, well, uh, my dad's talking to some of his friends uh, after your sermon, and um, I thought you might want it. And he said, well, why would I want a pound from you? And she said, well, my dad was telling all his friends that you're the poorest preacher he's ever come across. (laughs) So hopefully that is just an anecdotal story, and it's got no... Uh, prophetic significance whatsoever. Um, So I want to talk to you about mission. I know Tom talked about mission last week, but I want to talk about mission, uh, and I want to just state some things which I think we would all agree. Um, We would probably all agree that the Holy Spirit causes us to be born again, the Holy Spirit directs us, and everything we do Uh, and achieve is because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think we would all agree that in this church. And the Holy Spirit is uh, part and parcel of why we do things and how we do things. So I want to ask some questions. The first question is, what is mission? The second question is, what's the point of the church? And the third question is, what part do I have to play in the mission of the church? And one of the key factors that shapes our thinking about church and mission is what is called the doctrine of the church. The doctrine is what the Bible has to say about the church. What does the Bible have to say about the church, 
um, and that's called the doctrine of the church. And there are two commonly held views about the doctrine of the church. The first one can be found uh, by reading in the Old Testament. A prophet called Isaiah wrote about the nations of the world gathering to a place called Zion, Zion being Jerusalem in Israel. Uh, And in Isaiah uh, 60, uh, which should be coming up on your screens, it says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They, are, they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. So that's talking in the Old Testament about a physical place uh, called Zion. And if we use good hermeneutical principles, that's a very long word for saying how we interpret passages of the Bible, uh, we would interpret that prophecy by looking at the New Testament and in particular what Jesus said. Okay, So we, we absolutely believe what the Old Testament says, but the New Testament can often shed a bit of light on it. Um, And so that passage in Isaiah is looking forward to something that's happening. And when Jesus comes, he puts a bit more of a slant on it. In Matthew 5, verse 14, he says this. He says, you, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus takes something about a city on a hill, Zion, Jerusalem, in Israel, and says, it's you. You are the city on the hill. Your light should shine. You are the light uh, uh, of the world. Um, And so we look at the doctrine of the church, either in that way or in another way. And so if the doctrine of the church in terms of Isaiah and what Jesus said is over there, as far away as you can, the the opposite end of the pole, if you like, you would have uh, a, a doctrine of the church that is very much based around the idea that we are just struggling through. So if you've seen any of these disaster films involving earthquakes, meteorite attacks, aliens landing, terminators coming, uh, the earth freezing, you name it, and there's just a few people who are struggling on trying to rebuild civilization. Uh, In terms of the doctrine of the church, it's a group of Christians who are struggling on until Jesus comes, wraps it all up, gives us all a nice cup of tea, puts a warm blanket round our shoulders and says, well done, good and faithful servants. Those are the two diametrically opposite views of the church. And so your view of the church is very much going to influence 
how you think the church can affect the world in mission and how you think you can act in the church in uh, uh, changing the world. And so the doctrine of the church is one of the things that we need to talk about. The other thing is called the doctrine of the kingdom. So I think we need to get ready by understanding the doctrine of the church and get ready and be prepared by understanding the doctrine of the kingdom. The doctrine of the kingdom is what the Bible says about the kingdom of God. The Bible says that there is an age coming. It's not here yet. There's an age coming where there will be justice instead of injustice, where uh, there will be uh, good news to the poor. And the Bible talks about the poor not only being reached with the good news, but the poor being oaks of righteousness. That's the expression used. Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So just as we are to shine so that we can demonstrate the glory of God, so people become oaks of righteousness so that they can be a display of his splendor. Now, often when we look at the world around us, I I work in London and I come back uh, into Ipswich and sometimes this time of year there are people begging uh, on the station or wherever or in London. Um, I don't always look at them and think there is a potential oak of righteousness. I'm being completely honest with you, I don't always do that. But that's what the Bible says the kingdom of God is all about. So if we understand the doctrine of the church and the doctrine of the kingdom, it will help us understand what mission is about. Um, A a great 19th century preacher called Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, lived in uh, Kelverden, which is near Colchester, And he was baptized in the River Lark uh, at a place called Iserland, which is near Newmarket. And he went on to London where he uh, led a church where he would regularly get, in the 1850s, 10,000 or more people coming to hear him preach. And he spoke uh, in these terms about this idea of the doctrine uh, of the church. He said, this modern notion has greatly dampened the zeal of the church for missions. And the sooner it is shown to be unscriptural, the better for the cause of God. It neither consorts with prophecy, honors God, nor inspires the church with ardor. Far hence be it driven out. So that's him talking. Um, And so I just want to suggest to you that if we're talking about mission, we need to understand the church's part in it based on Isaiah and what Jesus said and our part in it. But we also need to understand, if we're part of this church, where this church fits into it. And one of the best ways you can understand that is by coming to our prayer and vision evenings, which we run on a regular basis. And we have one coming up on the 1st of February here At 7.30, we're having tea and coffee here at 7.30, and 15 minutes later, we are going to be getting involved in prayer, encouraging one another, and really calling out to God for things that he has put on this this church to pray for. It's going to be two hours. If you've been before, it's great. If you haven't been, you're missing out, not only on just praying, but also getting involved, putting your shoulder behind and your efforts behind the mission 
of the church. So that is something I would thoroughly recommend you come along to on Wednesday evening. And as well as understanding the church and the kingdom, we need to understand why mission is important. Because if we don't understand why something is important, why would we think we need to do it? If other people think it's important, let them do it. Why should I get involved? And the reason why mission is important is summed up beautifully in a, in a book uh, by John Piper called Let the Nations Be Glad. It's quite an old book now, but nevertheless, uh, it's as authentic as it comes when it talks about mission. So he says this. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. And then he makes this point. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. So we do these things on a temporary basis so that people, these oaks of righteousness that aren't yet oaks of righteousness, can come before the living God. And so that's the importance of missions. Uh, and so uh, what I would suggest to you is that it's the goal of missions to, that people come to worship God. And John Piper goes on to say this. He says, in missions... We simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the people in the greatness of God. Our goal is that people should be glad at the greatness of God. So if I say to you, what's the point of mission, and you understand that, I don't think we need to have another conversation about the importance of mission in the church because it is fundamental. And so if we consider what the point of the church is and we look at John's gospel, um, John records that Jesus Christ himself, when he was on the earth, before he was crucified, he uh, says something that has direct application to his disciples then and to us now. In John chapter 17, verses 17 to 19, Jesus Christ is recorded as saying this, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Okay? This is the prayer of of Jesus to his father, okay? He's got the cross on the horizon. He prays a prayer for the church that he formed and that he looks forward through time and he prays for the church throughout history for those he will believe through the message of the apostles. And that includes us, okay? He prays that prayer for us here in this church. And uh, later on, we record that uh, after he's passed through 
that crucifixion and he's been resurrected. In John 20, um, he appears to the disciples in a locked room. This is the first meeting of the church. Uh, In John 20, verse 21 to 22, he speaks to his disciples and he says, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So I started by saying that we would all agree, wouldn't we, that the Holy Spirit is foundational to all we do as Christians and all we can possibly do when we get involved in mission. And that's why I'm saying this, because Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We are his disciples here and now in 2017, and we need that same Holy Spirit just as much as the early disciples ever did. And the emphasis now is on us. It's on us. We are, in our community, the light. We are the city on the hill. And Jesus says, I am sending you. And sending is what mission is all about. You know, it's great to see people uh, in the church... But if all we ever do is sit on our seats and listen to preaching and drink tea and coffee, we are missing something absolutely fundamental about why the church exists. And so I've talked a little bit about generalities. I want now to talk about this church right here, right now. Um, Some of you have been part of this church for a long time. Some of you, like myself and my wife, have been here for five years or so. And some of you have been here less time than that. Uh, But it doesn't matter how long you've been here, you need to understand what the mission of this church is. Because each church will have its own flavor. Okay, And so what defines the mission here? The, The mission here is defined by God. And how do we know that? Because God speaks to his people in this day and age. And God has spoken to us as a church through people in the church, through others that we know and respect, who God has spoken to for us. And we do believe very much in recording what God says, writing it down and applying it as and when we feel it's applicable. And so I want to share with you right now some prophecies that have been spoken over this church just to give you a flavor of the kind of mission we're on and why your involvement in it is so absolutely vital. So um, we've had for a number of years uh, a real sense that we need to get involved in social action. And so uh, that Uh, shows in the soup kitchen that we run and the night shelter that we're part of in this town. And our local MP, Ben Gummer, um, was here in this building uh, on Christmas Day just looking at what the uh, fantastic team from across the churches were doing in terms of the night shelter. And he is on record as saying in the media, I am excited and inspired by the churches in Ipswich. So we're not saying we are the be-all and end-all. This is a thing that all the churches are doing. All churches have a mission. I'm telling you about ours because you're here now. 
Okay, and so we've also had some specific prophecies that are shaping our mission. Um, uh, last year, there was a prophecy that we were like an aircraft carrier. Imagine the size of an aircraft carrier. An aircraft carrier, and uh, there were uh, aeroplanes being brought up from the hold onto the deck, and uh, the aircrafts, although they were all the same, they all had markings of different countries on the wings, of different air forces, and they were being prepared to go to the countries they represented. They would fly there, but with the intention of returning to the aircraft carrier, which was their base. And the aircraft carrier was a mobile airport, very manoeuvrable, with a long cruising range. And that speaks of things that this church is going to do that will affect other, natures, uh, other nations. And when I say the church, I'm basically saying you. You. You are the ones. You are the light of the world. You are the ones that Jesus said, I'm sending you. You. All of you. Uh, other words that have uh, impacted on us uh, are to do with uh, 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 the church being propelled forward, this church being propelled forward in a new and purposeful way. We would be like a ship with grace and mercy for the community. That would be our cargo. Our cargo would be grace and mercy for the community. Another word talked about we were entering a period of expansion and mobility. And for me, I find those things very exciting. The fact that we are being propelled forward, we're expanding, we can see that. We can see that um, just in terms of numbers, but we need to think... How are we involved in this? Um, for the last 12, 18 months, you know, we have been growing. Um, and sometimes it's been a bit stop-start. Um, you know, we've, as you know, we've been looking for a building, uh, uh, somewhere where we can expand into, and it's been a bit stop-start. And um, this morning, as I was just... Um, I'll be honest with you, I was finishing my sermon, okay? I'm being completely honest with you. As I was finishing my sermon, um, I felt God speak to me and say that, um, you know those sometimes you see on the news, for example, on Look East News, there might be a, you know, uh, the Suffolk show at Trinity Park and all the cars parked in the field in the bright sunshine and then the rain comes and when they're trying to leave, they're slipping and sliding and try and get off the field or... You see those amazing scenes at Glastonbury where, um, you know, cars just can't seem to get any traction. And then you see the farmer come along with his great big tractor and he hitches it up to the front and he pulls the car off onto solid ground and off it goes. Or at uh, Trinity Park, they've got a JCB that comes along. And I feel that God is attaching a tow rope to us and he's pulling us, not very far, onto some really solid ground where we're going to get some real traction and we're going to start to really move forward. And this year is going to be a very significant year for us. And so it's really uh, fundamental that we talk about mission at the start of a year because we need to understand, well, um, if we're going to get all these amazing opportunities, who's in? Who's in? Who's with us? Um, and I'm hoping that the answer is that everyone here is, because although mission is collective, um, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, um, Paul says this, 
Uh, don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join in suffering the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So that's talking about collective. You know, collectively we're on a mission, but each one of us individually is also on a mission. And Paul uses the analogy of running a race. When he talks about him personally being on a mission, he talks about running a race. And so in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, he says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to win the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. I don't run like a man running aimlessly. Okay, so we need to get ready for mission. And I want you to understand that if you're sitting here thinking, that's fine for everyone else, but for me, I'm disqualified because uh, I've got nothing to contribute, uh, I've got no skills, I've got no gifts from God, Um, I can tell you now, without even knowing you, without even having seen you, that that isn't true. I can be completely confident that that isn't true. And if even now a little voice is saying, it is true, it is true. I can say without even knowing you, without even seeing you, that is a lie. That is a lie. And how do I know it's a lie? I know it's a lie because what that is demonstrating is that what Jesus did on the cross for you wasn't good enough. It wasn't enough to redeem you. It wasn't enough to make you a new person in Christ, it wasn't enough. And we know it is enough. We've been singing that it is enough. So it's nonsense for any of you to disqualify yourself from the mission of this church in that way. God has given us all abilities and gifts for a reason. And in this church, we want to include you. We want to Uh, count you in. We want you to count yourselves in. So this next slide just has the heading, uh, count me in. And I want to ask you this question. Are you in? And would anyone know you're in? And the reason I'm asking that question was because when I was, uh, I'd only been a Christian uh, a year or so, uh, I didn't really understand what church was about. And I thought I was quite involved in my local church. And in the 70s, it was uh, the, the height of um, cutting-edge media to have posters on the wall. And they would often be slightly cryptic questions that would make you think. And uh, I came across one in a church that said this. It's the next slide. It said, um, if being a Christian was made a crime in this country, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And I thought about that, and I thought, do you know what? I could probably argue that, oh, well, I've, I've just popped into this church for a little while. I'm just seeing what it's like. I'm, you know, there's not enough evidence to convict me. And then I thought, the reality is I should be up to my neck in evidence that would convict me if I was really involved in the church. And so just going back to the previous slide... I just want to ask you this question. If you are in, would anyone know you're in? 
would they look at you and say, oh, yes, yeah, so-and-so's in. Yeah, they do this, they do that, they do this, they do that. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't just about what we do. It isn't just about what we do. But that must have a part to play if we're on a mission together. You know, if, if, if you're in, you demonstrate you're in in various ways. Now, don't get me wrong, one of the ways you can demonstrate you're in is by prayer. I'm not underestimating the power of prayer completely, completely not doing that. Um, but um, the count me in is something we're very keen on. So I'm going to uh, leave you with this uh, idea. You know, if we're on a mission together, we need people. We need people to do stuff. If we are going to be a church that has an aircraft carrier, can you imagine how many people are needed to run an aircraft carrier? You know, we are going to end up multitasking like the word has never been used before. You know, we're going to need to do stuff together. And so the last thing I'm going to leave you with is something that has been attributed to um, all kinds of famous people. Um, I think uh, Martin Luther King was one of them. And it's this, if not now, then when? If not you, then who? We need, as church leaders, on a mission to count on people. And now. Because people are dying now. People are going to hell now. People are in all kinds of misery now. Jesus brings freedom to the captive. He brings new life. He brings water to those who are thirsty. He brings bread to those who are hungry. We're on a mission now. So I'm asking you, if not now, then when? And if not you, then who? And the answer is, it's us. Look around. This is the church. This is the church on a mission. Don't look at people and think, oh dear, I'm not sure about that. Isaiah 60 Okay, what Jesus said, I'm sending you, I'm breathing my Holy Spirit into you. That's where the answer is, not in us, but we are on a mission together. So I'm just going to uh, uh, leave you by just summarizing this, okay? If we understand the doctrine of the church, that, that the nations will come to our light, in other words, God, and the kings to the brightness of the church, and if we have a correct biblical perspective on the doctrine of the kingdom, we will understand that in reality, the church of God doesn't have a mission. We will understand that the mission of God has a church. And if we understand that the mission of God has a church, it should take a lot of weight off our shoulders because this is God's idea. This is how he said it would be. Okay, so I'm asking you, will you join us? Will you stand with us in what is going to be a really exciting, fun, challenging, scary, Holy Spirit-filled 2017? Will you stand with us? And to demonstrate that, I'm literally going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a song. And if you feel that you're in, but you don't quite know where, or you've disqualified yourself and God has spoken to you this morning,
Can I ask you to come over to the uh, prayer area over here? We would love to pray for you so that you get direction, you get power from God, you get freedom, so that you truly will be individually on a mission to make men and women oaks of righteousness. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.